And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. As I said at the top of the hour, uh, many people are being wowed by the film, the new film, uh, Sound of Freedom, uh, which features uh, Jim Caviezel. He's portraying Tim Ballard, who's the founder of Operation Underground Railroad, uh, a man who's been risking his life, in this case, to save a single Honduran uh, who'd been human trafficked. Um, and in this war, to save a single soul, uh, Caviezel travels by boat into a, you know, a, a dark land, a, th- a thin waterway, splitting Nariño province, jungle in Colombia, one of the most dangerous places in the world. And it's a tremendous expression of bravery. He ends up uh, against every conceivable odd, saving the girl and bringing her back into the arms of her harrowed father. My guest, Kevin Wills, uh, knows that story, uh, but he also knows another story. It's the story of the Sisters of Mary who travel by boat to reach children. And I'm going to let Kevin share the story with us. He's been with us uh, before on this program. He's the author, most recently, of Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysia Schwartz. He's a former Major League Baseball writer, an award-winning journalist, and best-selling author of The Priests We Need to Save the Church. He is the president of the Monsignor Thomas Wells Society, which is dedicated to promoting strong priests and seminarians and to the practice of the fullness of the Catholic faith. Kevin, good to have you back here. Thanks. Al, it's great being on with you. I, uh, we, we love talking about stories of absolute heroism. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I love the Sisters of Mary. Well, talk to me. How did you become familiar with them? Uh, so, Al, I, I was asked to write the biography of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Yep, He's a I remember that. He's a saint in the, in the Catholic Church, and Father Al in post-war Korea. Looks as though we have and, a bit... We're having some difficulty with technical issues here. I'll tell you what, why don't you give it another shot there, Bryant, and let's see what we can do to get Kevin on a firmer and more reliable line. Um, this I'll t- this story uh, is one that I love. Uh, usually the sisters uh, have to climb up tree-choked mountains that rescue, to rescue children. They go up two by two. Uh, they go shoulder to shoulder. They walk narrow paths that split the seams of mountains that uh, are filled with traffickers, gang members, cartel, drug runners. And uh, Kevin, you're back with me? I am, Al. I'm sorry about that. I think we're good. Okay, very good. You were telling me uh, that you were doing the work for uh, your biography of of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. And uh, that's in the course of that, you came across the story of the Sisters of Mary, I assume. I, that, that's exactly right, Al. I, um, so Father Al, when he was rebuilding Korea in the in the wake of the war, he needed to mother these orphans. There was really hundreds, if not thousands, of orphans sort of laying in the streets as leftover war landmines. And so he started an order of sisters called the Sisters of Mary. And what he told him way back then was, the way we serve is to have a constant crown of thorns. Uh, we, we One of our vows will be to pray three hours every day because we are going to do gruesome things. We must do gruesome things to save these souls. It was all about souls for Father Al. So all these years later, um, 15 boys' towns and 15 girls' towns throughout the world later, where the Sisters of Mary have found themselves in this in this time in, in world history is combating 
the monsters, the evil of human trafficking. So these sisters, um, I've spent time with them, a lot of time with them in, in Central America and Mexico. They, they climb mountains bathed in human monsters, you know, traffickers, drug runners, as, as you mentioned, Al. And they, they truly go to the most violent places in Central America and Mexico just to go after the most vulnerable child so that child will not be trafficked. Mom, of course, has been praying for the sisters to come up this mountain. So the child comes down with the habited sister, and they take the long bus ride back to Boys Town or Girls Town, where for five years they're sort of resurrected. It's like Lazarus being brought back from the grave. It's, wow. it's, it's, it's a remarkable story, Al, because not only do the sisters risk their lives, they've been held up at gunpoint, they've been kidnapped, buses have been stopped where gunmen come on and steal money. I mean, the, the, the only thing these sisters fear, Al, is they fear, they fear, uh, they fear God and not doing their mission. This is missionary work. And, and they fear sin. Everything else, they don't care. You know, you, go ahead and kill me. I don't care. I'm going to bring this child down from the mountain or from the state of Oaxaca or Veracruz or Guerrero, you know, the bad spots, because, because these kids deserve uh, they deserve to live. How do they become aware? They go after particular children, I take it. Yeah, so it's really easy, Al. So, so the sisters have been going to these towns every year, twice a year, for some 40 years. Mm. So they know where the hot spots are because that's where they call their recruitment. So they recruit the most vulnerable children. So they know where to go because they go back every year. So, so what happens is uh, local parishes or you know local sort of community leaders, is that if that's what you can call it, will gather together vulnerable kids, and the sisters will interview them, and 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 the lucky ones, the lucky ones will will board the bus and go to these boys towns and girls towns. And I, Al, I love Father Flanagan. You know, I love Father sure. Flanagan, but this thing is. Father Flanagan times 1,000. Yeah. There's 19,000 kids throughout the world in these boys' towns and girls' towns, and they, they are authentically Catholic. These things, these things are profoundly Catholic. Rosaries every night, daily Mass offered, healing in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, I, I don't know how—I I, just—I want to take all of your listeners down— to these boys' towns and girls' towns so they can see the resplendence. Actually, I'll call it the transcendent work of what the sisters are doing with these these poor kids. Wow. So I assume going in, these are dangerous areas they're going into. Um, I, I assume they've been harassed, they've been uh, threatened with violence, or maybe they've even endured violence. They have. They, they have endured violence. As I mentioned, they've been kidnapped, stuck in the back of cars buses have been pulled over with children in them they've recruited where gunmen come in and take their money <laughs> you know I, I, uh, earlier this year two sisters were held up in gunpoint and, and, and robbed not that they had much money <laughs> so again the, these sisters simply go up blood trails in mountains they risk their lives to save children it, it's not complicated like it is so heroic it's like superhero stuff I don't it, it's just complicated stuff this is real-time Catholic work of the saving of kids, and it's 19,000 strong. There's 381 sisters of Mary throughout the world, and they take on the monsters. Wow. So uh, 381 sisters, they care for, what, 19,000 students? That's correct. Yeah. And they were South America, Central America, 
Um, yeah, Brazil, Tanzania, uh, the Philippines. So, so they're spread out throughout okay. the world. Yeah. So there's been these many children have been able to go to these boys towns and girls towns. What are the social outcomes for these kids when they leave boys town and girls town? How do they fare in the uh, world? That's the greatest question now. Um, so not only do the sisters sort of are they the preventative workers or the preemptive workers to to address human trafficking, but once they're catechized and loved and mothered back to health for five years, they send these children back out as actually the stoppers or the preventers of human trafficking. So they're educated. They played sports. And, and get this, the sisters are so smart. They teach them Taekwondo. They run with them every day. They teach swimming classes, so they build up their physical strength. So not only are they building sort of this fortified interior shield through Christ and the sacraments, but they're building them up physically. So when they go back to the communities or universities or maybe job places, they know how to take on the traffickers and, and, and the, the dangerous elements, you know, MS-13. So it's not just like sort of feeding someone a fish. It's taking them in, equipping them to take on to take on the elements that you know, the violence of poverty is everywhere, as we know, in Central America and, and Mexico. Well, these kids go out as Catholic missionaries. These kids, and now I'm going to say this, you know, forgive me for saying it. There's not a lot of Catholic missionary work in the world right now, like raw, right. sacred. These sister, these kids, you know, there's thousands that graduate every year. I, I've come to believe these kids, and, I, and I'm down there quite a bit, and I've talked to a lot of the graduates. I believe that they're some of the greatest Catholic missionaries in the world today. Why? Because they're fearless. They don't care. They've already been dead. So the sisters raise them back to life. They graduate. And they don't care if they look Catholic in the world. They want to take on the demon. So, so I can't get enough of these Sisters of Mary and these kids. Hmm. You mentioned Father Dan Leary in, in the article. Uh, who is he? Father Dan Leary, three years ago, um, asked the bishop in Washington, D.C., after 23 years of serving as a parish priest, if he could serve the poorest of the poor. So the bishop gave him a three-year, let's call it, loan. Mm -hmm. So for the past three years, Father Dan has worked literally out. There's no days off. There's no golf. There's no shouting. <laughs> because there's too many kids. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just yeah. too many kids, and he's always traveling throughout the world. Um, you know, 17-hour days, uh, you know, 46 hours of confession, spiritual direction, masses, uh, you know, exposing the Blessed Sacrament, retreats, year-round retreats. So he was the one that sort of uh, stealing the kids interiorly, as the, as the sisters mothered the kids back to health, Father Dan was sacramentalizing them uh, through the Mass and the sacraments of the direction. So, tragically, well, this is this is kind of Kevin on his microscopic soapbox. He was asked to return to Washington yeah. last week to resume his duties. So, yeah. so um, un unfortunately, they've lost they've lost a spiritual father. Wow. You know, this is a remarkable story. I, how have they escaped from being targeted by drug runners and the cartels and those who are engaged in human trafficking? Wouldn't they see that these homes are a threat to them? Well, well, here's here's the here's the problem. Poverty is generational, so they can't get out. It doesn't it doesn't end. So there's there's you know, normally there's not a father in the home 
or maybe there's a man, a so-called stepfather in the home who drinks. So, so he, he might do some things to, uh, um, let's just say, the girls, the majority of girls, tragically, Al, I, I'm just going to yeah. tell you're listening. Yeah. They've, been, they've been sexually abused. And, and um, so, so the, sisters, the sisters go after them. They go after them to bring them in. And, and unfortunately, their siblings, I imagine, um, they've, they've suffered on the, uh, the account mm-hmm. of trafficking and the continued abuse. Kevin, we'll talk again on this. Uh, it's fascinating. I'm so glad you've written on it. And uh, we'll, we'll pick it up later.